Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome to episode 40 of the Feeling Good podcast. And today we're going to continue with the uncovering techniques. We're going to be talking about the interpersonal downward arrow. And what's at uh, the bottom of this here are the interpersonal self-defeating beliefs. So I'm wondering, David, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what those interpersonal and self-defeating beliefs are and how they differ from the individual self-defeating beliefs. Right. In the last podcast, we talked about individual self-defeating beliefs that predispose us to depression and anxiety like the belief my worth as a human being depends on my achievements and and also perfectionism. I, my achievements have to be tremendous or, or they're no good at all. And if I if I fall short of my goals and expectations, I'm 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 a total failure. And those kinds of, of beliefs will create anxiety, worrying about failure, and then depression, falling apart. When right, you, when that's you what fail. we saw last time. Now, um, interpersonal self-defeating beliefs function differently. They they set us up for conflict in uh, in love relationships or or friendships or, or or professional relationships, and they they're quite different. <clears throat> they have to do with uh, expectations of what will happen in an intimate relationship or or a professional relationship. And there's three p- parts to them, which I call the rules and, and the roles. The, the roles, you see, in our relationships with people, we're kind of like playwrights writing a play. Our life is a play that we're that we're writing. And, okay. And in that play, with each each person you interact with, you you think they're going to be in a particular kind of role, and and then you're going to be in a in a corresponding role. And then there are certain rules that that connect these roles. Okay. And that's and that's what we're gently gently bringing to conscious awareness for, for the patient because what what we don't realize is that we're creating our own interpersonal reality at every moment of every day but we don't realize it and just to give you a simple uh, example of that when cognitive therapy first came out it was uh, totally unknown there, there were only you know our early days, five or ten of us in the world back, and you know a number of us who were going to his weekly seminars, and then we started giving talks and presentations on cognitive therapy, like to the local medical association, you know, a group of psychiatrists, or something like that. Yeah, and I and I think to a certain extent, maybe back as well, but just speaking for myself, I kind of had the expectation that that people would be very uh, critical. And that they wouldn't appreciate, you know, these new developments and that they would kind of foolishly cling to the things that they were doing, which I felt were really not worthwhile, pushing drug after drug or doing psychoanalytic therapy or psychodynamic therapy. 
And so I kind of thought they'd be, you know, hostile and critical and unappreciative of this wonderful, uh, amazing new developments I was describing. And sure enough, audiences were, were, were just like that. They were really kind of hostile uh, and uh, rigid and uh, argumentative. As was expected. <laughs> just as I had expected. And what I didn't realize was I, I was uh, creating that uh, subconsciously. Uh, for example, when someone would ask a question, I would react kind of defensively and argumentatively. Do you, do you see what I mean? I would interpret their question okay. as some kind of hidden criticism All or right. skepticism. And then I would start to kind of argue and show why they were wrong. And then that, they'd escalate and then the whole audience would get kind of, kind of hostile. Worked up, yeah. Yeah. Now, when, when I give workshops, I have the expectation that the vast majority of the people there will be very, uh, warm and enthusiastic. I, I view them like kittens or, or, or children who are hungry to have some attention and some entertainment and, and, and some excitement. Yeah. And that they'll, they'll really, uh, love what, what I'm saying and that they'll appreciate my vulnerability and that we'll cry together and laugh together and it's going to be a, a fabulous a fabulous thing and then that's exactly exactly what happens it, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and even if somebody asks me a hostile question I respond to them with tremendous warmth I disarm them I find truth in what they're saying I, I compliment them on what an important question it is and how there's so much truth in their point of view, and I, I thank them for raising that important issue. And I honor them, and then th they get real happy too, and 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 very enthusiastic. And so we need a way. And so now my positive uh, expectations are are functioning as as self-fulfilling prophecies. And so we need a way to make people aware of. These, the, these belief systems that they have. Another way to, to make this uh, obvious to people is I, I sometimes say to my audiences, uh, have you ever known someone who's just a whiner and a complainer? And I can, I can ask you this, uh, Fabrice, just someone who complains, 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 and whines and whines and whines, and they don't ever take your advice. They, they come to my office every day. Yes, right. And often these people, their complaint is nobody loves me, no, nobody cares about me, nobody wants to hang out with me. And I ask the audience, how, how many people, how many of you know someone like that? And just about every hand goes up. Yeah. And then I say, how do you feel about that person? And they say, I don't want to be around them. I don't like them. Yeah. And, and, and again, the, the, the person has a, a self-fulfilling prophecy going. You yeah. see, they're angry because they and, think. And you're asking the, the audience to put themselves in, in the shoes, not of the complainer, but in the shoes of the person across from them. That, that, that's right. And then they, they instantly say, yeah, I don't like these complainers. Well, that's another self-fulfilling prophecy. See, the, the complainer is angry and bitter because no one loves them. So they're always complaining. And then this causes people to get turned off by them. Yeah. And then they say, oh, sure enough, pe people are no damn good. This, this is always ha happening to me. But they're creating their own negative interpersonal reality, and, and, but they're not, not aware of it. And so early on, when I was working with individuals with relationship conflict, as, as well as couples uh, who came, you know, as uh, the, the two of them for a troubled marriage, I realized we need to have some gentle and kind of fun method to reveal to people what their interpersonal belief systems are that, that are getting them into trouble in relationships 
And then once you've done that, then we have another set of tools if they wish to change that pattern so that they can quickly, almost within 24 hours, change these these lifelong patterns. What we're going to do is similar to what psychoanalysts do. Uh, they, they have uh, a concept, uh, Lester Laborski was, is a famous uh, research psychoanalyst, uh, a psychologist from University of Pennsylvania, Department of Psychiatry, and uh, I, I read one or two of his of his books because I wanted to find out what 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 is psychoanalysis really, and how does it differ from from what we're we're doing in those days, what we called cognitive therapy. And he had a really neat concept he called the um, the core conflict, and 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 the purpose of lying on the couch for five years, maybe five days a week free associating is is so the patient will come to realize what their core conflict is. And then an example of a core conflict would be, my needs will never be met in a loving relationship. Right. And then people who believe that, their needs are never met in, in, in loving relationships. And so I thought, wouldn't is, it be... Isn't need- that like projective identification? That is one term that I, is above my pay grade. I've been trying for 25 years to figure out that one. I never figured it out, <laughs> okay, but well, it's, it's something like that, we'll ask our, some big word. Let, let's ask our, our listeners to look it up and maybe write to us so we get a better handle on it. <laughs> You're probably right. You, I have no doubt it's projective identif- identification, whatever that is. But but at any any at any rate, uh, we, we have these expectations and then they always seem 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 to happen, and and it, and, and so I th- I thought, my gosh, I bet we could develop a real high speed way of revealing revealing to people what these core conflicts are. Maybe wouldn't it be neat if we could do it in five to seven minutes instead of five to seven years? That's right. And that's what we're going to show the listeners how to do that right now. All right. Well, I can't wait. So. Uh, um, I understand that we're going to continue with uh, our patient from last uh, podcast, Harold, right? Yes, and um, as you remember, um, if you listen to podcast 39, he was a psychologist who came to my workshop uh, and wanting to do personal work on his own depression and anxiety, and, and one of his uh, favorite patients unexpectedly committed suicide, Right, and then he became more than severely depressed and anxious extremely extraordinarily and uh, one of his thoughts was uh, you know I should have seen this coming uh, this shows that I'm a, a failure because I didn't because I I made this mistake and then one of his negative thoughts was my patients my, my colleagues will look down on on me and so I've um, printed a handout uh, that you can see in the show notes uh, called the Interpersonal Downward Arrow, the, the Rules and the Roles. Yeah. And you and I can do this. Interestingly, there's no arrows in it. <laughs> no, no, the, the, this one is a little, little different. You just take the thought and you ask four questions, and we'll do it as an exercise yeah. together. Uh, first of all, what does this thought tell us about Harold's colleagues what role do they play in his mind? How does he see his colleagues? And we'll do that first. And then, then secondly, what what does this tell us about Harold? What what role does he think he's going to play in his interaction with his colleagues? And then the third question is, how would it feel to be in that kind of relationship? And then the fourth question is, what are the rules that link the roles? And although this sounds incredibly uh, 
abstract right now, it will become a, a practical, obvious, and exciting reality in just a, a minute or two when we start doing this. And uh, this uh, interpersonal downward arrow, is it like the individual one where it helps you uncover things, but then what you uncover is what you will work with later? Yes, yes. And what it will uncover, uh, and for all the listeners now who, who want to do the same thing, you'll, you'll suddenly discover if you run into problems in, in relationships and are frustrated and angry and, and lonely and, and anxious about your relationships with, with loved ones or friends or colleagues, if you do the technique we're going to teach you how to do right now, you'll be able to uncover your own the system that you have in, in your mind that causes you to have unhappiness in your intimate relationships. And then once you know that system, then in a future podcast, we, we can talk about, well, even in this one, once we show what system he's, he's, he's going, then I'll say, now, how, how could, I suppose, Harold wanted to be cured of this within 24 hours? Yeah. What method would we use? And that, that, be, that that's real obvious right. uh, to, to see what it is he's, he's, he'll have to do. So let's look at our friend Harold. Yeah, okay. So the first thing we'll do is he says, my colleagues will look down on me. And so... Um, what I want you to do is, uh, if you can easily print the form I've, uh, I have in the show notes called the interpersonal downward arrow on the upper, or, or you can just take a piece of paper and divide it into four yeah, columns. Yeah, it's a pretty simple form. You know. Yeah, uh, and just take a piece of paper and put one line down the middle from top to bottom and one line across the middle from top to bottom. And the upper right-hand uh, compartment is their role. Uh, in this case, we'll call yeah. it their, their role. Harold says, if my colleagues find out my patient committed suicide, they'll, they'll look down on me. What are some adjectives that describe his colleagues in his mind? What, what kind of people does he think they are? So when, you're, we, when you, we can write it down here and you can, you want a pen? I have an extra pen. So, so you're, you. you're characterizing um, what his colleagues are. You know, that's in what, his mind. Yeah. Not what they are in reality, but I how... Know how he imagines them to be. In fact, I'll do the writing. I'll be like the secretary here, and we can kind of brainstorm yeah, so it So like they're, they're judgmental, Okay, so, so I'm going to put down judge, judgmental. And if you're doing this uh, at home or in your office, put in the upper right-hand corner the word judgmental. He sees his uh, colleagues as judgmental. What are some other, some other words? Um, so they are, you know, they're... Critical. There's a good one. I, uh, that's a, that, that's right on target. They're judgmental and critical. What are what are some other words? Um, um, well, I would say that um, they're also um, exacting. They're demanding. Demanding, right? He thinks they're demanding. And does he see them as uh, weak or strong? Powerful or weak? Um, that's that's a good question. I would say powerful in this particular um, yeah. situation. Powerful. Uh huh. How, how, how else does he see them as superior or inferior? Um, yes, yeah, since they're bearing down ju with judgment, I would say superior. Mm -hmm. And then, what are some other words? So there's this an up and down a relationship between yeah. him and them. Yep, absolutely. Um, how else does he see them? So mean, maybe. mean, mm -hmm. mean spirited. Um, Could we say dangerous? He sees them as dangerous. Maybe some, you know, maybe somewhat. What else would we say? Um, so, um, 
maybe competent since they're they're uh, experts, experts, experts. experts. Yes, he yes. sees them as 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 as, as experts, yeah. uh, uh, and uh, uh, maybe rejecting. He sees them as potentially rejecting. Heart. Yeah, yeah, like <clears throat> judgmental, critical, rejecting. And we could add more. I'm kind of running out of space here. So. Um, before we, we move on. So this is a list of adjectives. And so um, when we think of roles, we don't necessarily think of adjectives. We think of more like a, a position, like you know the, the father, the mother, the, the friend, the, uh, the, the enemy, the, the wizard. You know, those yeah. are roles. Yeah. I think the adjectives is easier than that. Okay. Because you're looking just for one word that captures everything whereas you say they're in a role what he sees them as very judgmental critical demanding powerful superior mean-spirited you know experts who are yeah. harsh and rejecting that's kind of kind of how he sees them and one thing that's made this uh, so easy is when we move to the adjectives rather than the the single word okay that, to, yeah that, that's pretty good now in the upper left hand compartment let let's say what what are the words that describe his role? What are some adjectives? How does he see himself? Well, I'd say in, his role in uh, in large part will be the the flip side of that because yeah. he's on the receiving end um, and on the giving end in some ways. So he's being the one being judged. You know, he's he's uh, um, f- the flawed one since okay. he's being judged. Flawed. Yeah. There's a beautiful word. He sees himself as flawed. And um, he is the one who is supposed to respond to the demand. So he's submissive. Yes, yeah, submissive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, he's a powerless one. Powerless. That's a good word. Powerless and weak. Probably. Yeah, I'd say weak too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, incompetent. Uh, uh, yes, incompetent. Uh, he's also the victim. Mm-hmm. Right. That's another good one. And um, how about inferior? Right. Inferior. Uh, how about unimportant? Like not valuable. Like they're the real, you know, worthwhile. Like, yes, like their role is to be worthwhile, right? And my role is to be worthless. Um, I'd say probably. I mean, you would have to. Obviously, this is something that the patient would be yeah. answering, and yeah. he he might say yes to that. So he's he's kind of worthless. Yeah. Uh, maybe he sees himself as un- unlovable or yeah. undesirable. Yeah. In fact, there was something about that in his uh, individual downward arrow too. So. Oh yes, there's some over overlap. Yeah. Um, it's like different ways of looking at it. Yeah. You, you might say. Um, any other words so far? My role is to be flawed, submissive, powerless, weak, incompetent, victim, who's inferior, worthless, and, and, and undesirable. And uh, anything else? Um, maybe he's like the gentle one. Um, how about gentle is too flattering. Uh, can Like soft or, uh, or, yeah. or unassertive or... So, so you don't want any flattering words in the roles. Huh? No, no, he doesn't see himself in a flattering way. He says, oh, "I'm so gentle." You know what I mean? He's seeing himself more as a, as, as a loser. 
So, so the the only flattering words are are in their role. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. So one could add to that, but that's a, a super list that that you came up with here. And then uh, now the next question is an, is again an easy one. And when I developed this form with the help of my Tuesday group a few years back, this this technique that it seemed so mysterious and difficult to people suddenly became e- easy for pretty much everyone to do. And the next thing is the feelings. How, how is it going to feel for flawed, submissive, submissive, powerless, incompetent, victim-y, inferior, worthless, undesirable, loser-me to <laughs> interact with judgmental, critical, demanding, powerful, superior, mean-spirited, uh, expert, harsh, rejecting you? Well, pretty bad. I mean, obviously. Yeah. And what are the names of my emotions? Depression. Depressed. Okay. I'll, I'll feel, I'll feel uh, depressed. And, 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 and sad, uh, for, for sure. Yeah. Un, 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 unhappy. Yeah. Uh, or some ashamed. Other I'll feel ashamed and, and, and maybe guilty. Possibly, yeah. What are some more uh, feelings? Um, inadequate. Mm-hmm. Which is not quite a feeling, but yeah. That, that, that's yeah, that's good. It's also a characteristic. It's yeah. one of my roles is to be inadequate. It's a feeling. I can feel inadequate too. Uh, what are some other feelings? Um, I would say, um, well, there would be some uh, some resentment toward the uh, the, the other people. Cool. So resentful. Yeah, yeah re- re- resentful, and maybe uh, a- angry. Angry, perhaps, and, yeah. And are these feelings, resentment and anger, are they uh, feelings that I can acknowledge and express or ones I have to hide? Well, in this particular case, he would have to hide them because uh, he's not entitled that's, to having those feelings. That's right. So we'll say other feelings he has is hidden resentment and anger. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, anxiety? Possibly. Possibly. He's afraid they're going to find out his patient commits oh, suicide. Well, yes, right, yes. So he'll yeah. have, you know... So it, that would be fear, yeah, anxiety and fear. Yeah, anxiety and fear. Now, is he going to feel loved and close to people or alone and lonely? I would say lonely, yeah. Lonely, yeah. Um, that was in the individual downward arrow as well, yeah? I can't remember. Yeah, I'll be alone. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be, be alone. All yeah. alone. yeah. Yeah, and he's feeling alone and, yeah. and lonely. Uh, any other feelings? We got depressed, ashamed, inadequate, resentful, anxious, lonely. Uh, will he oh. feel discouraged, demoralized, hopeless? Probably. Yeah. What what's what what words would you choose? Um, I would say uh, I would say demoralized. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Demoralized. I mean, I have a list of two pages of feelings. We could pull that out. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, we've got two, four, seven categories here yeah. uh, here already, and I'm sure we could add add some more. But that's a a good list. Now, the cool part, the lower in the lower right hand compartment. Uh, ask yourself. And again, I guess we should have told people to turn off the tape recorder and try each piece on your own. Before you hear us yeah. do it, but 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 right now, maybe if you've been listening along, you you can do the do the fourth thing on your own, and then you can listen to yeah, us doing we'll, it. We'll let them do the hardest one. Yeah, yeah. The the rules, in other words, what rules 
does flawed, submissive, powerless, weak, incompetent, victimy, inferior, worthless, undesirable, loser me, what rules do I have to follow to have a relationship with judgmental, critical, demanding, powerful, superior, mean-spirited, expert, harsh, and rejecting you? And so at this point, why don't we say... Uh, so let's, let's pause the tape. Yeah, pause the tape. All right, so we'll see what... Uh, um so are we back live now? We're back live. Let's see. Seems like barely a second. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what uh, our so, listeners came up with, uh, and uh, compared to what we can come up with. Yeah. So what are what are the rules? So um, when when I'm the inferior one and I'm being criticized, one of the rules would be I have to seek approval. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I, I have to uh, seek approval. From uh, from my colleagues, yeah, and and and, uh, and and never be assertive. Uh, yeah, like I can't. Rule number two: I have to seek approval. Rule number one. Rule number two: I can't disagree or challenge you. Right. So I, another rule: I cannot. Um, I cannot be assertive, or or, or I can't d- disagree with anything. I have to yeah. be a, a yes, a yes man, so to speak. What are some other rules? Um, am I allowed to be genuine, or am I obligated to be a phony? Um, well, I have to to hide my flaws and fi- and my feelings and the feelings too. You know, because yeah. the feelings of resentment and anger but all of them are, really. are not allowed. Yeah, they're not allowed and then I have to hide these others too. And the other ones would, would be revealing also my flaws too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I have to hide my flaws and feelings. So uh, I, 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 the rule is I, I must never be genuine. I always have to be phony. Yeah. What are some other rules? Um, well... So the the phoniness um, also means um, you know I have to try to catch up. I have to um, try to be as good as uh, as the others. Constant to, uh, constant pressure not to make mistakes. For example, yeah. Constant pressure. Uh, not to, to to make mistakes and Another, to outdo myself to always try to impress people to impress people yeah yeah, yeah I, I must try to impress people yeah and then can I ask for help well I might want to say no but that is not necessarily excluded oh I see I can mention to them I just had a patient who committed suicide what 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 are your suggestions well obviously Harold came forth in front of 200 people and said that. So uh, his uh, his thinking around that was not all yeah. or nothing. True, true. Um, but would we say in his relationships with colleagues up to this point that uh, that he's been able to ask for help and ask for support when he's hurting? That doesn't seem to be uh, his go-to. No, yeah, can't, 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 uh, can't seek or receive... Um, or receive uh, support or help yeah. or warmth or compassion. Right. Can't I can't get compassion from from other people. Yeah. Um, and this is a pretty good list that 
There's probably one or two or three other things, but I'm drawing a blank. I'll read what I what I have, and you can see if anything else pops to mind. I have to seek approval all the time. I can't disagree or challenge people. I have to be a yes person, yes man. I can't even like come up with my own creative ideas. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have to hide my flaws and feelings uh, because otherwise you'll you'll reject me, uh, and I can't ask for help, and I can't seek or receive warmth or support or compassion. Yeah. I have to constantly pressure, pressure my, myself not to make mistakes and, you know, monitor myself constantly. I have to be constant, vigilant. How about constantly vigilant? Right. And, and I, I can't relax. And then um, I, I must, you know, try to impress people all the time so, so that they'll, they'll accept me. Right. Um, constantly be, be, be vigilant. And then what I do, once I have this, then I, I say to the, uh, to the client or the patient, whatever word, uh, like, Harold, does this seem, seem accurate, you know, what we've come up with here? Yeah. And I would say 100% of the time they say, oh, Doc, you read me like a book. That's exactly it. And, of course, that's no surprise because they came up with this. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> ones who are reading themselves. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and that's how you do it. That's, that's the rules and the roles. Now, this is just one example with one person. And, and you may have your rules and roles may be radically different from his. And that's one thing that's, that, that makes it fun is you find out what each person is doing that, that's causing grief and frustration and, and, and a lack of warmth and love and support in, in intimate relationships. So that's a little bit of a cliffhanger here because so great. Now we know all this. What do we do with it? No. Yeah. Well, uh, let's say he'd like to be cured within 24 hours. You yeah. know, usually, usually we say we have this recovery circle and all of these techniques. And, yeah. and certainly we would have that here and we'd have to do empathy and paradoxical agenda setting. But what would be one technique he could use to try to, if he was really courageous, to try to bust this, this, this system? Quickly. Um, well, one See, technique that comes to mind is, is uh, the survey technique. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. And how would that work? Well, first, he would have to self-disclose to at least one of his colleagues and say, well, what do you think? Exactly. Now, would, would that be easy or difficult for him? Pretty hard. And would he be uh, eager or incredibly anxious? Very reluctant, yes. Yeah. Does that mean it's a good idea or a bad idea? It's a good idea. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, that's the type of uh, thing. And that's an interpersonal exposure technique. Then you could also view it as the, as the experimental uh, technique. So, and, but, so what, what would... Uh, and you remember I gave you an example of that earlier when we were talking about yes. the live demonstration yeah, you I did. did with a fellow in Newark. And I hope he'll allow us to use... It was a video. And, right. and he, he had been had a system like this. Ever since he'd been four years old, he, he thought that he wasn't good enough and that anyone who really, you know, saw how he was thinking and feeling would reject him. And yeah. indeed, he, he was a little odd, I guess, as a child. And, and he would read scientific journals and come up with, you know, ideas uh, that were even more advanced than his teachers. And then he got put down all the time. Mm -hmm. And so he then came to this workshop at age 69 saying he hadn't had, you know, one minute of happiness in his whole life, that he'd been lonely, 
reject his his entire life. And then we did a, a live demonstration in front of the audience, and he had a tremendous uh, transformation. He got the, all of his symptoms went to zero, and he found happiness. He went into a euphoric state at the end. And then I said, oh, but are there any loose ends, um, Don? And, and he... Uh, and he said, well, I, I think the people in the audience are judging me when they see, you know, uh, 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 it took me to age 69 before I finally turned turn my life around. Right. And I, I said, well, could we find out if that's true? And, 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 and he said, well, I suppose we could ask the people. And then he got really anxious. And, and I said, would that's you be... That's the survey technique. Yeah, that's, and, and, and I said, well, how, how would we test that? And he, and he said, well, that, that woman there in the third row... Back, I've been looking at her the whole during the whole live demonstration, and I can see that she's been judging me, and she's the one I'd want to ask. So I asked her to come up on the stage, and she took the microphone. Again, this is on video, so I hope he lets us show show this phenomenal thing that happened. And and he said to her, "Have you been, are you judging me? Uh, you know, hearing what I'm really like inside and what my life has been like." And then she put both of her hands over her face and began sobbing uncontrollably. And he couldn't believe it. And she looked up to him and said, I just admire you fantastically. And he couldn't believe it. He started sobbing, and then he shouted out, I was wrong, <laughs> type of thing. But it was so moving and inspiring. But that's the type of uh, of, of, of thing, that, that the way you smash these systems. And yeah. in another uh, podcast, we've got to bring this one to a close now, but we can also talk about how you can smash these systems with the relationship journal, right. which is another way of getting at these rules and conflicts and, and changing them really, really quickly if the person has the interest in doing that. Now, let me ask you one, one more question, which is, uh, so we have four quadrants here, and uh, is it is it the last one we did, the the rules that you actually then take to, to inquiry, or... Or can you also use the the feelings or the his role, their role? Well, the all I do is very kind of humble. I, I just say to the person, "Now this system sounds like it's been causing you a lot of a lot of stress, and understandable all your life." You say ever since you've been a little boy. Most will say, or a little girl, whatever. Yeah. This has been going on, and you've never really felt as close to people as, as you would like and, and I'm wondering is that something you want my help with and then if they say yes and, and I say well, what would it be worth to you if I showed you how to how to change and I say oh it'd be worth a great deal and I say well suppose I showed you how to change your life you know within five minutes or within 24 four hours I say oh I'd do anything and say well then how are we going to test these, this belief? Would you be willing to tell right. your colleagues that your patient committed suicide and that you're feeling kind of ashamed and, and fearful and, and concerned that right. you know, people will be disappointed in you and ask them how they feel and also ask them, have they ever had a patient made a suicide attempt and what tools and techniques do they have for, for preventing suicide and minimizing suicide. And, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how I would proceed. But you've got to do empathy and you've got to do agenda setting. You've got to make sure the person wants to change and is willing to pay the price for change. Right. And, and that's always part of it. In fact, uh, it can never be uh, circumvented. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much. That was a great demonstration. Um, next time, we'll talk about the what-if technique, which is... Oh, yeah, that's another really cool one. That's for people with anxiety disorders yeah. to get at the core. 
fantasy. And let me also make one last point here. Any of these podcasts that we wanted to come back to, if the listener said, I'd like more of that, like I could give three more fantastic examples of the interpersonal downward arrow and how patients change their life lives really quickly. People with very different systems from from from, from this one. Uh, we have so much, so many fish to fry. That would be quite a ways down the road. But uh, all of these podcasts, we we can dive deeper on on them as well. If there's something that the listeners really like, and and on, on the interpersonal, as you were saying, we're going to do a whole series on interpersonal conflicts, common ones, and and how yeah. to how to turn them around. Like another one we can do is how do you deal with how do you deal with the complainers? What what are the way to instantly uh, get a, a whining, complaining individual e- eating out of your hand. How, how do you deal with someone who's, who is judging you and rejecting you? Right. How do you get people to do what you want them to do? All, all kinds of really cool topics. Right, and and I want to remind our listeners that uh, we very much welcome their comments on uh, on the show notes. Yeah. If they go to the show notes for each episode, they can leave some comments that will go directly into your inbox. Yeah. And that will give us a chance to answer those comments either directly or on the air. And uh, um, we also very would we would very much appreciate if they uh, left a, a review on iTunes. Um, and All right. Go to the podcast and you know give as many stars as they want and leave a as long as it's five, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so far we have a perfect five So far we have a, we have a per, no perfect uh, a record, but we also very much appreciate when people leave a little blurb explaining what they like about the podcast. So that would be very, very good. Okay. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Fabrice. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. Mm-hmm.